0: Normally on Fridays, I share a Friday Fix episode that includes a quick tip that can help you build mental strength. But today, we're doing things just a little bit differently. We've got a special guest who happens to be releasing some new music today. So we wanted to release this episode on the same day. My guest is Jojo, the Grammy Award winning singer and songwriter. She rose to fame when she was just 13, when she became the youngest artist in history to top the Billboard Pop Songs chart with her song, Leave, Get Out. Since then, she sold millions more albums across the globe. And throughout her career, she's been really open about talking about mental health. In fact, her new album, which just went on sale, is called Trying Not to Think About It. And it's a musical expression about her continued transparency around mental health. And today's also an exciting day because we're releasing our first ever digital cover on Very Well Mind, and JoJo is our cover star. Go to verywellmind.com to check it out and to hear more about what JoJo has to say about mental health. She's really honest that her journey to improve her mental health isn't over. In fact, it's an ongoing battle. She has some great tips that I'm super excited to share with you. And while most of our shows have been recorded virtually during the pandemic. I was able to interview Jojo in person at Sound City Studios in LA, which was tons of fun. She's really nice, and she has some great wisdom to share with us about mental strength. Some of the things she talks about are how she manages her depression, how her view of mental strength has shifted, and the steps she's taking to keep working on her mental health. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for The Therapist Take. It's the part of the show where I'll break down JoJo's mental strength strategies and talk about how you can incorporate them into your own life. So here's JoJo on how taking charge of your mental health can help you grow mentally stronger. JoJo, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you Me because, too. for many reasons, but one reason being that Lots of celebrities right now are talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. but I happen to know you were talking about mental health sort of before it was cool to talk about oh, mental health. <laughs> my
1: of mental health. I think you are. Ah, that's great. that's hilarious. I mean that is, that is true. Uh, we all have we all have a mental a relationship with our mental self. so I, I just think it's great that more people are talking about it and that it's just a part of our culture at this point.
0: Right. And you were just mentioning before too, the way you and I first came in contact is years ago, you shared my TEDx talk on yes. Twitter. And somebody reached out to me and said, Jojo just shared your TEDx talk. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, yours is one of my favorites.
1: And it's, oh, it's, thank it's you. for real, it stuck with me over the years, so much so that I just wanted a refresher of it. So I listened to it while I was getting ready to come here and talk with you. And 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 then after you um, retweeted that, then you sent me your book. And that just further dropped more gems about you know strength and resilience and so and then I learned that we're both New England girls so right. that's cool
0: but after you and I had briefly talked on social media I looked on your website and even on your website you talked back then a lot about mental health some of the things you had been through and I thought this is amazing you're not just sort of like oh yeah mental health's a good idea we should pay more attention to it but you shared your personal story and since then I know you've come out even more and talked about your personal journey with depression
1: yeah, um, and honestly, it's, it's probably because of the feedback that I got from my fans, or just from people who who noticed, you know, and they that encouraged them to share their story, and that's just a human thing. Like it it happens to be. I think that when we make ourselves vulnerable or more transparent, it encourages other people to do the same, and then it's this beautiful relationship that develops of just honesty and hopefully we can come up with solutions for how we can find more peace and more grounding and feel better and not just stay in that, but encourage one another to, you know, to feel better. So that, that's what I found it was doing. And also there's been plenty of other um, artists who have come before me and talked about things like I think about and infused their music with it. And so that's also been encouraging. Um, but thanks for, for seeing that. I have been talking about it for a while. I grew up with parents who were both, who really struggled with mental, emotional health and with addiction. And so seeing that kind of created, uh, we were having conversations about it. And also it created like an unstable foundation for me to try to grow healthfully on top of. And I've spent my adult life trying to be, you know, trying to work through it.
0: And it's, was it hard to talk about to say, yeah, okay, here I am. I'm Jojo. I have all this stuff in my life and yet I'm still depressed. Sometimes people will say to me things like, you know, I'm, I have everything I want, so I don't have a right to be depressed exactly. or I shouldn't be.
1: Yeah. I said that to my therapist a lot. Like what an asshole I am. What a entitled or um, certainly privileged, you know, I what, how dare I? feel sad, feel this way, when there is X, Y, Z, when there's all this atrocity in the world, when there's all this pain and devastation, there's so many things. And she reminded me that comparative suffering is not helpful, that our own experience is our own, and that the way that we process events that happen to us stay with us unless we find a way to uh, shift our perspective on it and like work through it. And... So yeah, I definitely felt like, how dare I? And I also felt embarrassed because I thought that it wasn't going to be a satisfying narrative, honestly, for my journey of like, okay, well, I had this incredible success as a young teenager. And then I went through this lawsuit where I didn't own my voice and I wasn't able to release music publicly. And then I got out of the contract and I signed a new one and then everything's supposed to be great, right? Like, because now I've overcome. Okay, that's one area that I've overcome. You know what I mean? But I have not overcome my own self or my hangups or my generational trauma or, any, or things like that. So I felt like, damn, I'm supposed to be like resilient. I'm supposed to be the baddest bitch on the planet now. That Now everything's cool. But that wasn't the case for me. And the more that I tried to act like, like I'm good, I'm strong, I'm a badder. Those things are true, but I'm also depressed. Yeah. You know?
0: Oh, I like that you said that because you can be both. And so many people seem to think that depression is a sign of weakness. And they'll come to me in my therapy office and say, I want to be mentally strong, but I can't because I am battling depression, totally. anxiety, something like that. How did you come to that conclusion that it's okay to be depressed and you can still be strong?
1: Um, I would say my my therapist helped me to to get to that point. And I constantly have to remind myself too. Like, it's not that I've like arrived here and I'm like, okay, now I'm just unwavering in my belief. Could Because even my decision to... Get off of antidepressants for a period of time was because I wanted to be somebody who could just power through it, who could handle it myself, who could you know you apply coping mechanisms and and be mentally tough and um I realized that I needed a little bit more support I needed a lift I needed some intervention with medicine and just to be able to to do to, to kind of function in at a level that I wanted to, that's, that was my personal experience. So I would say talking to my therapist and, um, and just knowing that just for, that nothing is 100% something. I, things are more gray and you can be, I don't know. I just, I, I'm a host of contradiction and I I don't see why you can't have some contradiction even within you I know I'm rambling, but I'm I'm not sure how how to express what I mean. It's just that both things can can be true. Right. Yeah, both things can be true.
0: And we tend to want that either or, right? Yeah. I'm either strong or I'm depressed or I'm mentally healthy or I'm not.
1: Well, there's some areas in which you can be, you could celebrate your strength in this area, but then know that you're struggling here or you can know that you're able to, you know, um perform your duties or like whether it's as a parent or as a friend or a girlfriend or a business person or uh, someone who's in service of others, whatever. But know that when you're alone with your thoughts, you're a wreck. So it doesn't need to be that you're completely just incapacitated. That could, that could be true. But oftentimes like it's, it's in those quiet moments that we realize I'm not doing well. My, my thoughts are concerning
0: and can we talk about antidepressants for a minute? I talk yeah. about, talk to so many people who will say, I should be able to do this without medication.
1: That's how I felt.
0: How did you get to that point where you decided, no, I'm I'm going to try it? Um, well, I
1: have heard, I had heard my members of my family talk about their experiences with antidepressants. and And then also even like, I remember that whole controversy when Tom Cruise was, you know, talking about Scientology. I'm not a Scientologist, but I'm just saying he was like, antidepressants are bad. And it's a, it's a defect. It's a character flaw or whatever. And so I just started to get curious about that. That's probably when I started thinking about antidepressants because I was a kid. It was when they came into my awareness through the controversy that I like saw on television. And so I talked to my mom about it. And I I made the decision to get on them when I was... Um, in the middle of like the the lawsuit that I was going through, and I just wasn't able to see a future that I believed in for myself. I was like, my life is over um and i'm I'm not expressing that I had suicidal thoughts, but I just stopped dreaming, I stopped believing, and I just generally was like not able to I needed some help so I talked to a, a professional about it. I talked to my primary care physician about it. I talked to my therapist and, and that's what I informed my decision. I do not really talk to, you know, family members or friends. I just made my own decision to do that.
0: And what you notice when you started taking them?
1: That it took time, that it's, it's, um, cumulative. And I noticed that, and I, look, this could be a placebo effect. I don't know. But knowing that I had something that was going to help kind of give a little bit more color to my perspective, and it gave me hope. It was like a um, life preserver because we're all in this river and sometimes we sink under. We all do. But some of us have a harder time getting back up from those inevitable, you know, moments of going under. So for me, it just helped keep me more buoyant, if that makes sense. It does.
0: I like that you said that. And it's not, cause sometimes people will say, it's a crutch. I don't I don't need that. I should be able to do this. And and
1: that is that is like where I arrived um, like a year and a half ago or even a year ago when I got off of them. Because I'm like, I've been on them through my 20s pretty much. And I was just about to turn 30. Um, actually, so maybe this is just a few months ago uh, that I stopped and then started. Because I was experimenting with, um, you know, I had already gotten off of birth control and I was like, I want to see what my baseline is without anything. And what I came to realize when I did get off of them was that, I don't know if it just wasn't the right time for me to do it, but I, I needed that lift to feel like I, yeah, I just, I, I don't really know. I'm still working through it. I don't know whether I'm still judging myself, but what I know is that they have greatly uh, improved my life.
0: And do you, one of the biggest things I hear from people is they'll say, I'm afraid if I take an antidepressant, I'll just kind of be like numb all the time. Yeah, I
1: hear that too. A friend actually reached out to me because I I tell everybody that, because I want them to know that like, if, I particularly tell people when they tell me that they're depressed, I'm like, have you considered talking to someone about maybe getting on an antidepressant. And they were like, I'm just so scared that like, it's going to soften my edges completely. And that I'll be like a robot or like a zombie kind of just walking around. And it's so personal. Everybody's makeup is different. Like I, for example, with, with marijuana, I take one hit of weed. I'm out and I'm not functional and I need to go to sleep. Some people, it calms them down. They're able to be more creative. That is not my experience. So everybody's going to respond to things differently. And, um, and for me, like one glass of wine, I'm buzzed. <laughs> so like I'm sensitive. It doesn't take me much. Um, but I just, I think that it's worth trying if, if you've already tried other things. I don't think it's the first thing that you want to try. That's, from, that's my personal opinion. And I don't know, what what, what do you think? Like,
0: yeah, as a therapist, I usually say, let's try other things first. Yeah. Sometimes people will go to therapy, they'll make some changes in their life. And then they feel better. But yes. Plenty of other people was like, gosh, I, I made these changes. I'm doing all of these things. And I just need something else. It's brain chemistry and I need an yes. extra boost. Exactly.
1: I actually have a song on my new EP that's called Lift, which is about my decision to get back on an antidepressant. And um, it was just about the chorus is like, um, can I get a lift? I need to get somewhere other than this, breathe a little fresh air. And after some reflection, I can't get there on my own. I need a lift. And that lift could be talking to, you know, a, a trusted confidant who will, you know, give you good advice. It could be a therapist. It could be, could be an antidepressant. It could be, you know, a practice. Like, I believe in doing all the things. I need exercise. I need a a diet that works for me. I, I don't like the word diet, but, you know, a way of eating mm-hmm. that works for me. And I need... Positive reinforcement in my friends, yoga, all of the things. I do all the things.
0: And I like that you talked about those healthy things that you do for a lift. We know so many people turn to drugs and alcohol to yeah. feel better. And I've heard you talk about having an unhealthy relationship with alcohol in the past.
1: Yeah. I've had an unhealthy relationship with everything you could have an unhealthy relationship with, <laughs> like as far as the general like um containers of them, I guess, you know. I I've done too much of a lot of different things just to push my limits, and and just to see I don't know you know I was I was in pain and I was coping in different ways, and thankfully right now I'm at a place where I don't like to do things to excess that just doesn't make me feel good, and I like to feel good, but um, yeah I've had an unhealthy relationship with food, alcohol, substances, sex, mostly within relationship. And just like using that as a way to numb out and to distract from processing negative feelings, which is something that you really touched on in your TED Talk and that I really related to.
0: Yeah, we all have a tendency to figure out how do I get rid of the pain? And sometimes we get desperate. We'll do anything in that moment to say, what do I reach for to to feel better? And then when you get caught up in that cycle, it's really hard to break. It is. And habit... Old habits die hard. Yes.
1: And that is true. So you've been
0: really open though, talking about your dad's history of addiction and that he ultimately died of an overdose. Yeah. I think the official
1: um, thing on its death certificate was just system failure. And so I don't, his body was just like, fuck off, man. You've done enough Yeah, to me. And um, it wasn't, it was just a combination of unhealthy living and, and that included substances. And yeah, it's heartbreaking. And like consciously, even at 24 when, when he, I was 24 when he passed and I was on tour and I knew that he loved me, he did the best he could. But then there's that like subconscious thing of like, why couldn't he have just stayed alive for me? Yeah, That's not how addiction works. And that's not how the body processes things, I guess. And, but I ultimately think that for most people, addiction is because of some type of mental, emotional issue that is unresolved, and that we're coping in a certain way. Um, and I think his belief was that addiction is hereditary, and that I was kind of destined to be an addict, and he said something to me that I know he you know didn't mean in a hurtful way, but he's like, "Addiction is in your backyard, pumping iron." like Arnold Schwarzenegger, just ready, just waiting for you. And maybe he meant that as like, so be wary. Yeah. You know, have your defense to it. But I was like, that is not going to be my story. I am not going to be the examples that I had. Um, and, then, and then I found myself being that sometimes and being like, just wanting to be out of my mind and, and being very mad at myself for being, not being strong enough to thrive through adversity and to, you know, overcome and be that pillar of strength that oftentimes my fans had looked at me to be. I just, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. So how did you start to break free? I just say, okay, I'm not going to have this unhealthy relationship with food and and alcohol and other things. Um, I think that being
1: honest with people who I trust was a really important part of it and having a support system that was non-judgmental and willing to listen and help where they could and sometimes help is just listening mm-hmm. and not judging or being like how can i you know asking how can i support you in this or whatever um and my experience was ha- experiences have been that i never like went for some reason, I really believe it's just by the grace of God. I never like, I always went to the edge. I never fell off the edge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it never was too far. Um, I never really got hurt or hurt somebody. And I'm so grateful for that. There's really no, no reason other than God. And I think it was just over time realizing what was important to me and through listening to things like, your TED Talk and through therapy and yoga and other healing modalities um, through prayer, through journaling, through meditation, through going to AA with a family member and supporting them in their journey. And I'm a big proponent. I'm a big fan of the things they talk about um, in AA. And taking away the um, resentment starting to strip away the resentment, the anger that I felt toward different systems or institutions or my parents or the family of origin that I was born into, the lack of knowledge that I had about things, like starting to let go of that through the the things that I spoke to you about, as well as having some transformative spiritual experiences um, in different ways that over time helped me take control of the things that I can control and feel more like a victor than a victim of certain circumstances.
0: Oh, I like that. Was it hard to step forward and and share your story of, okay, I didn't have the easiest growing up or I didn't have the best of all these circumstances. I had some trouble along the way. Obviously, I'm from New England too. I come from a long family history of uh, mental health problems, substance abuse issues we don't even talk about it in the family. Like my right. hope is if it, anybody in my family is listening to this, everybody on my mom's side will be like, she must be talking about the dad's side and the dad's side is going to be all the mom's side because it's just <laughs> never spoken about. How did you get to the point where you decided to to make all of the, your story public?
1: Um, well, it's funny because I'm about to credit AA a little bit, but um, they're so private. So like as far as coming public with it, but I will say that growing up, what my parents actually met in AA during a time where they were um, both in in that program. So I grew up going and seeing people be just heart-wrenchingly honest in those halls and in those rooms. So I think that was normalized to me a little bit of people being like, hey, I'm Joanna and this is where I'm at. So I would say it has part to do with that. And then also partially to do with people who have been so outspoken about mental health in such a huge way on, on their platforms where it's probably much riskier than even it would be for for me. You know, I think of someone who's been so outspoken about their, their journey, Demi, Demi Lovato, a friend of mine. And um, Lady Gaga has been incredibly outspoken and artists way before us as well. Even Marvin Gaye was infusing... His struggles in in his music, and I mean, there's just there's so many examples. So I don't know. It, it wasn't really that big of a a thing for me to be like wrestling with. I was just like, this is this is what's up.
0: I love that. And. It's no secret in the music industry. I think something like 70% of people in the music industry struggle with mental health or substance abuse problems or both. Mm. And fascinatingly, though, the music you guys create tends to be such a great coping skill for so many people. And we did a survey at Very Well where we were looking at how did people use music during the pandemic, especially, and how many people said it helped with my depression. It made me feel so much better. And yet the artists, so many, so many artists are out there struggling. Uh, why do you think that is? I'm curious.
1: Mm. I don't know. I mean, there's that like archetype of the tortured artist, right? Like the tortured creative. And I think that might be because people who are creative or in touch with that that creativity in the the universe tend to be more sensitive. And we feel things and we get moved by things and that can be positive. Oftentimes we dwell on things that are negative. So criticism, feeling constrained, feeling hopeless, you know, we, we, we can tend to be really sensitive and emotional. And that's what makes us good at our jobs. But that's what can make going through life kind of hairy.
0: Did you worry at all that if your depression got better, you would lose that edge? Um,
1: well, more so than that, I worried that if I had a good relationship of healthy relationship that might take some of the edge away from my performance or my songwriting. And I've since come to realize that there's always going to be that even in the healthiest, greatest thing, there's always another angle that you could write from if you don't want to be just like blissfully happy in in a particular song. Um, No, I didn't worry that my depression getting better would like inhibit me as an artist because I think I was my best artist when I was a child, like even before I put out my first single when I was 13. Like, so I was not depressed as a kid. You know, I, I want to get back to that because I think that's truly who we are.
0: And what's it like to know that so many people who are struggling, they'll find strength in your song lyrics and they just love to listen to your music. And I know you've got this new music coming out just around the corner that so many people will be listening to as well. And I have no doubt that you're going to help a lot of people.
1: It's really amazing. And gratifying putting this out into the universe, putting it on streaming services and then physical copies, however people listen to it, because it takes it away from me obsessing over it and being a little weirdo and just like, you know, and now it's, now we're in relationship with it. Now we all can have a relationship to it because I know that my experiences are not that unique. I mean, maybe the The exact steps are exactly what it looked like. The feelings are not. The Mm. feelings are not. The feelings are universal. And I hope that what I'm singing about on this project, which is talking about how negative thinking and a certain perspective, a a depressed perspective, an anxious feeling, how that can affect your worldview, the way you perceive yourself, the way you're going to be in relationship to other people, I know that a lot of people can relate to that. Even just the, the first song that I put out, Worst I Assume, I'm getting a lot of feedback from people who don't normally tell me that they... Uh, who might not be as outspoken about like the things they struggle with, but they're like, oh my God, I, I do this. I project or I like brace myself for the fall or I brace myself for, you know, getting cheated on or getting heartbroken or whatever. It's crazy how we've all put up up certain walls. So I'm really excited to put it out there and for people to come together and be like, oh, I'm not alone at all.
0: Yeah. And I love that you said that we all have the same feelings. No matter who you are, where you are in life, you're single, you're in a committed relationship, you have a lot of money, you don't, you're still going to have anxiety, sadness, All those same feelings. You might worry about different things than somebody else, but at the same time, we still all experience those exact same things. And I think we forget that sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's easy to forget because things look so different, particularly on social media. And we don't show all those things behind the scenes or under the surface. We just see a highlight reel and that can be, that can be dangerous.
0: Right. And I read that you still get nervous when you release something into the world. Oh my God
1: yes, I get so nervous. I I start to have a complete existential crisis and question everything I've ever done and everything that I'm doing. And I'm like, am I whack? Am I a fraud? Like, am am I good enough? All those things. But I I explore that a little bit on this project. I even have an interlude called good enough. Just that little negative thing that's like, are you sure you want to do that? You sure you want to put that out? That might not be good enough. (laughs) Like the, you know, are you sure that you're an expert in this? Like, mm, there's a lot of people that are doing it really well already. Like, all, you know, all those all those little things that seep in. I, so yeah, but I still get nervous before I go on stage. I guess to a certain level, like that's healthy, but probably not to the level that I feel.
0: <laughs> so how do you work through that when you have all those doubts?
1: Um, I try to write it. Like I, I do journaling. And I'll also tell somebody, like I'll tell my manager and she's probably like, "Joe, my God, can you just, can you just believe how how we believe in you? But it's, it's a sliding scale. So, you know, whether it's my manager or a friend or family member or my partner, and I'll just try to talk it through and then isolate what my actual fear is. And then talk about it more because it's actually unfounded. And I try to bring some levity to it somehow. But also being, being in the practice of doing all those helpful things, like linking breath to movement, taking deep breaths, putting positive things into my ears and in my eyes, like listening to affirmations, listening to encouraging things. I need all that.
0: And all those little things add up. They, they do.
1: They are so accumulative.
0: And so if somebody's listening and maybe they're struggling with something like depression, but they're hesitant to even admit that they have it or they don't want to see a therapist or they don't even want to think about antidepressant, what would your advice be to somebody like that? You deserve to feel peace.
1: You deserve to feel happy and capable and you are capable. And getting to that point of belief and taking action is, is going to be... taking that first step is probably the most important thing. And just know that it's not one size fits all. And it would be great if you, you know, had someone on the journey with you. I would love for that to be like a a professional. And there are more resources than we realize. Like, I think Massachusetts has free uh, mental health care. Do they not offer free therapy? I don't know if they do or not my understanding is that they do, or or my understanding is that they do. I need to, I need to get clarity on that. But I know that some, some states or some cities like, check it out, check it out, check out. If you have insurance, check out if it's covered and find a provider in your network, start there. I think that like, it's, it's so great to talk to your friends and family and everything. Talking to someone who has a degree in this is what's up.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people confuse that. They're like, "Oh, I have friends, I don't need a therapist." But it's different.
1: Yeah, and that's what my a lot of my family back home thinks, but um actually, yeah, I I I gave my like I wrote out a gift certificate to one of my family members and I was like, "Here's five sessions with my therapist." They have yet to redeem it because they're like, "I got I have friends, it's fine." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs>
0: so So what do you find helpful from therapy that you wouldn't get from your friends for somebody out there who might say, "I don't need to see a therapist?"
1: Um well, I've gotten some really great tidbits that have stuck with me or ways of of processing my relationship to my mom or dealing with grief and losing my father, um, losing one of my best friends and in learning how to have healthier relationships, like romantic relationships. But some things she said have just stuck with me, like, don't should all over yourself. Like, cause I'm like, well, I should, I should have done this. or I should be here or blah, blah, blah. She's like, don't should all over yourself. (laughs) Like I just, anyway, she has like gems like that. And, um, there's, there's several that I just keep forgetting, but it's just good to know that she does this every single day. And she's been doing this for decades. There's nothing that I could say to her that's going to blow her mind. That She's never going to judge me. And she has no, uh, She's not on my payroll like that. Like it's, or she's not a friend who has all this backstory. It's just an objective professional who does care and who wants to see you be well. So that that's what I get from therapy.
0: And I'm glad that you said that too about the, the fear so many people have. They'll come to my office and they're like terrified to tell me something at first. And then they'll realize, oh, you've probably heard the same story before. Exactly. That there's nothing that anybody's going to say that's really going to horrify me at this point. I've heard so many things and and that's okay. And talking about them is how you start to heal from them.
1: Yeah, I think we tend to think that we're so bad or we're so special. or we're, Our situation is so unique. But none of that is true. Like everybody's special. But what, what I mean is, you know, you're, no one is the only one that's ever done something or been through something or felt a way. And I actually, I always like my friends who are in therapy, sometimes they'll tell me things that they didn't tell. That, I'm like, well, did you tell your therapist this part? Right. Like, did you tell them that like, the guy you're seeing is married? Like that's a big, part of this or like, whatever, like you're tripping. And they're like, no, because I didn't want them to judge me. I'm like, that's the biggest <laughs> part. Or you know what I mean? And so yeah, tell your therapist everything. Otherwise I can't really help you.
0: Yeah. I always say there's several people you shouldn't lie to in life. Your doctor, your accountant, your therapist, yeah, yeah, yeah. your lawyer. You know. Sure. It's not, it's not helpful. Right. Uh, okay. One last question for you. What's proof that you have in your life that you're growing mentally stronger? What's something that you do now that maybe that you couldn't do before? Or what's some evidence that lets you know I'm making some serious progress?
1: Mm, that's a cool question. Um, how do I know I'm making some? Because I I don't engage in like yelling arguments anymore. Like I found, I found a, a softer way of dealing with it. And now also like I'll take 10 seconds, sometimes five, but I'll take some time before somebody like if i'm having a conversation with somebody who i feel triggered by often or who rubs me in a, in a certain way like i'll 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 take some time and and formulate take a, take a good breath and then think before i speak i try not to be as reactionary um, and yelling i used to yell all the time i used to just get in like crazy fights with exes in my early 20s and i if 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 we're getting to that point that's not an appropriate dynamic for me to be engaged in. So I, I'm just like, I, I won't go there. And that feels good.
0: Oh, yeah, that definitely. That feels really good.
1: Good um, for you. It, what about you? I would, can I turn that question on you?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I guess, uh, so I was the shy kid in the back of the class, never spoke. High school, my English teacher used to read my papers for me. So I was probably like the least likely person to ever Look get up on a stage. Look you now. Right. Oh my God. So to think of that's where I came from, way too shy to talk. My friends and my family always spoke for me, even if it was to ask a question of like a, a wait staff person or something like that. To this day, my sister came to visit me and she asked the wait staff for uh, like a glass of water for me because she forgets that I can talk now. But <laughs> um, I would say that's the biggest thing in my life. That's a tangible thing that I can do that for most of my life, I would have thought I could never, ever do. That's so huge. I I can relate
1: in a certain way where like, I didn't advocate for myself as much in many ways, because I had people in my life, like in my professional life who did that for me, or I felt that that was like, they were supposed to, and they did, and they took that. But then I was like, I feel disempowered by not speaking up. So I actually want to be the one to have these conversations and to say these things and You know, it's it's important as I grow.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and all of your wisdom with us. I know our audience is going to love to hear all the things that you had to say.
1: This was such an awesome conversation. I'd I'd love to have more and continue this in another way. I I appreciate you so much.
0: Thank you. I have thoroughly enjoyed being able to talk to you. Thank you. Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is the part of the show where I'll give you my take on some of JoJo's mental strength building strategies and talk about how you can apply them to your own life. Number one, accept that two different things about yourself can be true. Our labels, whether they're self-prescribed or they're given to us by other people, can easily keep us confined. Let's say you declare yourself sensitive. You might not think that you can also be strong. Or if you think you're a tough person, you might not feel comfortable telling your friends about your struggles. Our feelings can also feel the opposite at times. You might be happy about something new while feeling sad about something that you're leaving behind. So I loved that Jojo talked about how you can accept that things that seem opposite about you can both be true. She said that she accepted that she can have depression and still be strong. Similarly, you can be both shy and confident and you can be sad while still feeling hopeful. So it's important to be aware of the labels that you believe about yourself and to see that you don't have to be limited by them you might be two different things at once, even though those things might seem like they're at odds with one another. Number two, test your negative thoughts. Even superstars like Jojo experience self-doubt. And when she doubts herself, she does two things to test her thoughts. She writes them down and she talks to her loved ones. These two things help her recognize that her thoughts are sometimes just too negative to be true. When we're filled with anxiety, self doubt, and other uncomfortable emotions, it's easy to believe that what's running through our brains is actually true. Writing something down can help you see that your thoughts aren't always rational, and raising your logic can decrease an irrational emotion. Also, hearing from a trusted friend or a family member that your thoughts aren't true can help you see that your brain might be lying to you. So, I highly recommend both of these strategies to test your negative thoughts. Write down what you're thinking, because just seeing those words on paper can help you realize that your thoughts aren't accurate. And talking to somebody about what you're thinking might give you a chance to hear a different perspective that could help you see things a little bit differently. And number three, talk to a therapist. I appreciated that Jojo talked about how speaking with a therapist is different from talking to a friend or a family member. I hear a lot of people say things like, I don't need to talk to a professional because I have a friend or a family member who listens to me. But talking to a therapist is different. A therapist can give you objective feedback. They can teach you new skills and they can help you find new ways to cope. I also like that Jojo said her friends aren't always honest with their therapist because that's pretty common. In fact, there's a study out there that found that 93% of people lie to their therapist. Sometimes it's because they're embarrassed. Other times they lie because they don't want to get judged but it's important to be honest with your therapist. They won't judge you and they can't really help you unless they understand what's actually going on. So whether you talk to an online therapist or you see someone in person, reach out to a professional if you want help improving your mental health. And if you're considering taking an antidepressant like JoJo does, a therapist can help you make an informed decision about whether it's right for you. So those are three of JoJo's mental strength building strategies that I highly recommend. Accept that two different things about you can be true. Test your negative thoughts and talk to a therapist. And don't forget to go check out JoJo's new album, Trying Not to Think About It. You'll learn even more about mental health and mental strength from her music. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com/podcast.